Classical Education, a podcast that covers the foundations as well as the philosophical and theoretical ideas of classical learning in a user-friendly and, may I even say, interesting way. I'm your host, Dr. Darlene Gomes from Leading to Wonder, and I'm so glad that you could join me today. As we continue in The Seven Laws of Teaching by John Milton Gregory, we have finally gotten to Chapter 1, The Laws of Teaching. Now, again, based on his methodical presentation of information, he is taking one final chapter before we begin to actually look at the individual laws. He will take one more opportunity to give us a case for why these are important as methodical processes. Basically, he holds to the fact that you have to know the laws before you can master the laws which then will allow you to effectively use the laws. So this methodical repeating, he actually addresses toward the end of the chapter again as the fact that each of the laws are mountains that you stand on. And once you reach them, you look around and you see the valley before you, but you do see the other laws. And so there is going to be a lot of I hate to say repetition, but little ideas in one law will be echoed in another law and then echoed again in another law, kind of as you would think of standing on that mountain and shouting, you're going to get some of the reverberation back. So with that in mind, he really sets his foundation again with an understanding that teaching is a process. It has certain steps that need to be taken and that discovering the laws of this process makes it possible to control it a little bit more. Now, we're not talking necessarily here about controlling the learning as much as we are controlling the teaching and making those laws understandable to the teacher and giving the teacher the command of that understanding and use of the laws is really the focus of teaching. I also like the fact that he says the understanding that when you master those laws, it allows you to send the information into the depths of the soul. I love that statement that he makes is sending knowledge into the depths of the soul of your students. I hope you remember as you teach every day, you are not just talking at little faces or medium-sized bodies. You are talking to souls and that teaching is in its most basic foundation the communication of knowledge, the speaking into the mind and souls of those people, little people in some cases, in front of you. So that 
passing of communication is so crucial. It's helping their mind to picture and shape the thoughts that you're communicating. And that transmission of knowledge allows the students to then think the thoughts that you have placed out. Communication is not just transmission of knowledge. It is helping them to think through that knowledge and to make it a common knowledge between teacher and student. When we think of teaching as merely the transmission of knowledge, it is totally limiting their knowledge to the teacher's knowledge. When you picture teaching as the transmission of the thoughts and ideas and helping them to think those thoughts in their own brain at their own different levels, you have expanded their knowledge beyond what your basic knowledge is. With that understanding, John Milton Gregory goes on to present the fact that really it can be narrowed down to seven basic factors of teaching. We've got, as he calls them, two actors, two mental factors, and three acts or processes. So we have a teacher and a learner. Those are the two actors. With the two mental factors, we have the common language and the lesson or truth. And then with the three functional or the fundamental function and process is that the teacher and the learner and the process is fixed and finished, which is made sure it's there in the process of teaching. Now, with that, we have, again, the teacher, the learner, the common language, the lesson, the teacher's work, the learner's work, and the review work. So really, those right there are the makeup of the seven laws. The basic understanding then is, well, what do we do with those seven things? So with the seven laws being stated, we're not going to take a lot of time with these, but I do want to at least plant the seeds of them in your head. So as we talk about them, the echo of those thoughts will come back to you. First law, the teacher must be the one who knows the information. So a teacher must know the lesson to be taught. The learner, law two, must attend with interest to the lesson that is given. So there is responsibility on the teacher's end, but we have to remember the learners are the second participants. They do have to be held accountable to attention. Now, I will put a little pause in here and say, teachers, you have a higher responsibility to help them stay attentive 
but they have the responsibility of attentiveness. So those are our two actors. Then we have law three. The language is the medium between the teacher and the learner, and they must be common to both. Now we'll talk about that in a lot of detail when we get to that third law. But I have to give the example. I was listening to somebody present some very good information, but they used a word and I got extremely hung up on that one word. Like I couldn't understand how it fit into the context of what they were saying. And honestly, I know I lost a good chunk of information because my brain was stuck right there. I missed what came next. So as a teacher, your responsibility really needs to be making sure the language is common to both, that they understand not just the idea that you're talking about, but the words that you're using. So the language is common to both is the third law. And then the fourth law is the lesson must be clearly taught from known to unknown. You have to start with what they already know to move to what they don't know. Now, this is a classic example of this is really just best practices. You have to make sure that they have the foundation before you can move them further. That's really what the fourth law is. The fifth law is teaching is helping to arouse the student's mind to think about those thoughts. So you're helping to transmit and communicate the thoughts and then helping them to think further about them. And law six is learning is the actual thinking into one's own understanding. So where in law five, you're encouraging the thinking of those thoughts, learning doesn't actually happen until it's in their own understanding and their mind is able to communicate and think around those thoughts. And then the seventh law is to test and to prove that the teaching has occurred by review, 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 processing, rethinking, working with that knowledge. So that actually is the seven laws right there. We're going to look at them in a lot more detail as we go through. But again, I hope you understand it really comes down to that communication of knowledge from the teacher to the students who are being attentive using a common language, words understood by both, beginning what is already known to teach what is unknown, making their mind and encouraging their mind to think further on those thoughts, and then requiring them to reproduce those thoughts. Actually, it is a methodical and orderly process that helps the teacher maintain 
the steps necessary to do their job effectively and at the same time it helps the students to be able to think through those things now honestly it's i love how he understands and approaches the fact that there are some teachers who are super dynamic who are very energetic and those can be good teachers but not all teachers that are good teachers have to look like that it is important that we understand that natural teachers can sometimes just be using these laws without really giving them thought but to be truly a good teacher you really have to understand and continue to grow in your use of those laws so the skill that you need as a teacher really comes out in the fact that you are a constant learner a person's love and enthusiasm for communicating can really add to their teaching but it still requires skill and honestly enthusiasm without any skill at all really will not be effective in teaching just the same as total skill with no enthusiasm at all is also going to be not totally effective enthusiasm can be used so long as it can be harnessed and skill can be used so long as it is brought to life so i love how he says this if a choice must be made between the warm-hearted teacher who simply gushes appeal and the cold-hearted who stifles all feelings by his icy indifference give me the former by all odds but why either so i love the fact that he understands that yes everybody is going to be different in how they teach it really comes to using your natural skill of teaching natural abilities and focusing in on the improvement of skills the laws of teaching really are the electric lines as he describes them by which you may send into little minds the thoughts fresh from your own and awaken the young heart to receive and embrace it could there be a better way of explaining teaching electric lines that allow you to just input into these little minds fresh thoughts that become theirs and grow that is true teaching so we've now 
as we've looked at John Milton Gregory's seven laws in the big scope, what we're going to be looking at is next time is chapter two, which is actually the first law, which is the law of the teacher. So I hope that you're finding this understandable, that we're able to take some of these bigger ideas and make them a little bit more manageable. I would love to answer any questions or field any comments that you have. How do you feel you fit with those types of teachers, the enthusiasm or the skill only? How can you see yourself improving when you do work the actual straight out skill beyond your natural abilities? I hope that this has been a useful and continues to be a useful time for you. And also, I really encourage you, go online, pick up one of the free PDFs of the Seven Laws of Teaching, and see what you can learn. Set yourself some goals. See how you can improve your teaching. Because remember, a good teacher is always learning. So, whether you are all in with classical ed or you're just kind of curious or even you just want to be a better teacher i hope you'll stick around and join us for this next podcast to get the latest episode as well as a fun little teacher's newsletter complete with a couple of classroom freebies, please sign up for the Leading to Wonder newsletter. Or you can subscribe to the podcast directly on Apple Podcast or Spotify or wherever you listen. To learn more about me and Leading to Wonder, you can visit my website at leadingtowonder.com. Dot com. No spaces. And finally, to reach out to me directly with questions or comments or even for information regarding in-house or virtual teacher training workshops, feel free to email me at darlene at leadingtowonder.com. Again, Thank you so much for joining me. Have an amazing week. And remember, as E.B. White said, always be on the lookout for the presence of wonder.